My name is Andy Hermanson. I'm uh, part of the staff here at Hope Des Moines. Uh, what a great day, huh? What a great day. Happy, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. Uh, those of you that aren't mothers but are here. And I mean, all of us have a mother of some sort in our life. And I uh, just want to celebrate that today. And, and like John said, we'll be handing out carnations after the service to, to every gal uh, that's joining us here this morning because we want to celebrate you uh, this morning. But uh, as we get started this morning, and, and we're talking about a bunch of things here today, uh, just want to start off by saying that we really believe it. We really, really believe it. And some of you are looking at me and your eyebrows just furled because you're like, believe what? You just didn't even make any sense when you said that. So, uh, but I would say, what, what is it that we really believe here as a church? It's exactly how John started his announcement this morning. We believe uh, that it's no accident that you're here. We believe that God is in this room. Amen. God has been doing so many amazing things, and as we were sitting uh, in our little pregame huddle as before we start each service, uh, we were just commenting on that. It just seems like people, stories are getting back to us about, and whether it's you had fun growing your cilantro plant this week, in my case, mine didn't even, has anybody else has even sprouted? Mine did, my little cilantro, I don't know. There you go. Some, some of us are green thumbs, but, uh, but God's been doing cool things, and maybe it's something, something a little lighter like cilantro. Maybe, maybe it's that you just found forgiveness or you found freedom from this incredible struggle that you've been, you've been uh, wrestling with for a long time. But I just want to say, and I want to just start here this morning to say, we, we believe that when we come together as a church, when we come together as a family, we believe that, that God uh, shows up. And so if you're, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, uh, maybe you've been here a hundred times and, and you've been through this a bunch, you could come up here and give your own sermon this morning. Wherever you're at on that journey, we just want to say, welcome uh, and we are glad uh, that you are here, so, uh, and we're excited to celebrate with you. So, so as I was saying, today is Mother's Day, uh, and the other thing I want to say to kind of get us started this morning is we have some amazing mothers or mother figures in this congregation. Do we not? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And no matter how, I mean, we could applaud for the next hour, and you know that wouldn't cover it, right? I mean, I mean my own wife had to run up here in an emergency reaction to... That was my son, just in case you're all wondering, the, the guy that wanted to come up and play the drums. So, uh, but, but I just got to say, as, as I watch a video like that, uh, and, and as a dad, but also as just a guy, just as a dude, you know, dudes, yeah, we're all here, uh, that hangs around here, uh, when I watch a video, I mean, it just, it just touches something uh, inside of me. Uh, and it makes me thankful for, for all that God has given me uh, in my mom, who's coming to the next service, and I'm excited about that. Um, but the, the fact that God's given us moms in all sorts of senses for, for all of us in this congregation. So, uh, and there's a great quote that I came across this week that I thought just really summed up uh, this whole motherhood thing, at least, at least from a guy's perspective and from a pastor's perspective. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a woman, uh, I think it was almost 100 years ago she said this, but I think it's just absolutely spot on. She says, a mother is not just a person to lean on right? That's what we think of when we think of mothers in a lot of senses. A mother is not just a person to lean on, but it's a person who makes leaning unnecessary. And there's a difference there. It's kind of subtle, but if you think about it, it's, it's not just someone that bandages up your wounds, but these mothers, and, and I'm talking biological, of course, but I'm also talking this, these spiritual mothers, and, and we'll talk about this broader definition of not just mother, mothers or motherhood, but of family. But it, as we're ex- exposed to these people, they're not just people to lean on, but they're a person who makes leaning unnecessary because God uses them to change our lives, to care for us, to strengthen us. Uh, and, and I just thought it'd be fitting, again, just to pull open 
uh, that Proverbs 31 passage this morning. And just, just again, just to start off with some celebration this morning. Some celebration. If you got Proverbs 31 open, it's page 504 if you got your Bible. And, and here's the thing about reading this passage. I mean, I think it's a great, it's a fitting Bible reading for Mother's Day. Um, but how many of you women, when you hear this text read, do you roll your eyes at it? Right? You're like, Pfft. Yeah, right. On a good day, maybe I can get half of these, right? How many of you women feel guilty when you hear this? And so I just want to say the, the, the title of this chapter is A Wife of Noble Character. It's, it's God's dream for us. It's who God sees you as, and it's who God is shaping you to become. And we're all on this journey. I mean, a lot of what I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes is this fact that, that we're not perfect. I mean, you cannot start talking about families and, and the word family and perfection, right? It just, just doesn't go together. But I just want to read this, and, and I just want to celebrate what God is doing with, with the mothers in this congregation. So, a wife of noble character, and he talks about, in verse 10, being more precious than rubies, but, but I want to jump to verse 25. Clothed with strength and dignity, she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness, Right? I know my mom didn't always give instructions with kindness, but she was working on it, and that's, that's probably my fault as much as anything else. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. And this is the part that just cracks me up because this is just a dream in our household. Her children stand and bless her, right? But this part, the next part is, is, is true every single day. Her husband praises her. Absolutely. I do my best. There are many virtuous and capable women in the, wall, in the world, but you surpass them all. And then here's the kicker, and I hope for the women in this congregation, this goes to your heart this morning. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen absolutely. If you have a woman in your life, if there's somebody that's mothered you, that, and it's everything from put a Band-Aid on your skin knee when you fell off your bike when you were four years old, all the way to somebody that still calls you on your birthday, bakes you cookies, whatever it is. If you have somebody in your life that speaks truth to you, that loves you, that nurtures you, that protects you, that guides you, can we just give God a round of applause for the women that have mothered us? Absolutely. To the women of this congregation, I want to say you do a great job taking care of us. And we're better for it. So thank you uh, for being you. But... As we talk about this day, as we celebrate, as we watch the sappy videos and we gear up to, to do whatever today, I think it's also important to realize that Mother's Day can be like a lot of other holidays. It can be a great time for a lot of us to celebrate, but it's just as often a time where it just hurts. And so I, I, I've been a part of this community, this, this church now for eight months, and I've, I've heard some of your stories. I mean, I look out here, I see few faces. I mean, some of us love spending time with our moms. Some of us are still trying to figure out how to put ourselves back together after what our moms have done to us. Just, just being honest, right? Some of us, we get to spend a lot of time with our moms. Others of us, we don't get that opportunity anymore. Some of us miss our moms. Wherever you're at today, though, I want you to know, and I just want to acknowledge this fact that although we're not all in the same place, uh, when it comes to a holiday like Mother's Day, we, we all have this one thing in common, and that's God is here. That's why we start with that this morning, that God is here, and here's the cool part, 
God can change the story. Now, maybe he can't bring somebody back, but he can heal the wounds. He can change the relationships. He can bring all things to work for the good of those who love him. God not only walks with us, but he has the power to change our ending. God has the power to take our wounds and to heal us. God has the power to make us healthy. And so this morning, we're, we're continuing our healthy church service, right? Don't we have the healthiest looking church, tree in the world over here right now? It'll come. It'll come. Like, like everything else about being healthy, it's a process, right? Last week, John talked about healthy faith, or you could call it like a healthy spirituality. But today, today we're talking about family. And if there's one area in life where we could always just use a little bit more health, right? I mean, don't you just think one of those areas, I mean, if we just want God to do a little more, just work a little harder, just show up a little, a little more intensely in our lives so we can be the best and the healthiest we can be, it's the family, isn't it? I mean, it is amazing to me how family can be the best thing that ever happened to us, and sometimes it can hurt us the most. And I'm not just talking about biological family this morning. I mean, we're talking about our spiritual family as well. And as we begin this morning, I got to ask you this question. Did you know that you came to a family reunion? Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you came to a family reunion. Well, even if you didn't know it, you sure did. You showed up this morning. Like John, John says from time to time, we like to say around here that we're, we're like the Olive Garden. When you show up, you're, you're family. When you're here, you're family. We just, we just don't have the breadsticks. We swapped them out for an upgrade on the donut holes, so... All right, but it's true. When we gather together to worship, it's a family reunion. I mean, in Matthew 12, Jesus lays this out crystal clear. And he's going around from place to place. He's teaching all these people. He's doing all these amazing things. He's got this massive crowd following him. And who shows up one day? Just, just out of the blue, it's his mom and his brothers. And, and they say, hey, we, we really want to talk to Jesus. Can you, can you go get him for us? And Jesus comes and he's like, family? He says, these people that are surrounding me are my family. And this is what he says uh, in, uh, in that chapter, and I've got it up on the screen. It's kind of cut off there. But anyone who does the will of my Father, let's read this together. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Absolutely. When we read something like this, though, we have to be careful. I mean, when we think of of church and what Jesus is saying here and and family, when we think of all these things, we have to be careful not to put words in Jesus' mouth. It's not that he's saying that biological family isn't important. And let me tell you, there are days where it'd just be much easier just to go like this with your family, right? Forget them. It's not saying, Jesus isn't saying that we leave that behind. Jesus is saying at the end of the day, There's a deeper, even deeper connection. It's one thing to be related by blood, but it's another to have the same Father, to have the same heavenly Father. And so there's this understanding that we don't just have a biological family, but we have spiritual family. We've got spiritual families and biological families. And the thing about all these families is they can be messy, messy. And if we had time this morning, I mean, if I asked all of you to tell a story where your family was awkward or unhelpful, painful, I mean, we could fill up the entire day, right? It'd be the worst way in the world to spend Mother's Day, but we could do it. And so we begin this journey this morning. I mean, we're continuing this journey as healthy family. Um, oh, that's all right. <laughs> See, nobody's perfect, right? There we go. But here's this thing, right? Right? even as frustrated as we can be with family, 
we still, we all have this longing in for us, inside of us, for healthy families. All of us have a need to belong, to connect in a deep way, to be acknowledged, to be understood, to be loved, and to be cared for. So as we look at this, I think it's really important that we take a look, a hard look this morning at what it means to be a healthy family, not just in the context of our biological family, but, but the people sitting around you this morning, all right? So what does God have to say about living in a healthy family, about being part of a family that resembles God's character and love? Well, let's take a look this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn uh, to that story about that family that's perfect. Let's see, no? Let's see, he kills his brother. Yeah, they, oh, there's some adultery there. Okay, wait, this, no? Oh, yeah, okay, cheated on, oh, okay. It doesn't exist, right? What does that tell you? I spent a lot of time this week combing through this book, looking for positive examples of a healthy family. I mean, and by that I just mean the people that are perfect, right? They get it right, that that resemble this ideal that we have, that we're going to have it all together. Here's the thing, no matter how hard you dig this morning, in God's word, you just can't find many examples that resemble family health. But what you find is that God begins to come and to change the story. I mean, think about this for a second. Let's just look at the book of Genesis, all right? You got Adam and Eve. Oops, right? They uh, let sin enter the world. Uh, Their big mistake affects all of us today. What about their kids? Cain, Abel? No, one kills the other. Great. They're going, what about Noah, we say? Right, he's got to be this Bible hero, right? Did the ark, like, listen to God when everything just took this big risk. And what happens after the flood? I mean, I would tell you, but it's it's not even PG-13. I can't, I can't tell you this morning. I'll just say he gets drunk and things happen, all right? You can read the story for yourself. And just on and on it goes. I mean, we come to Abraham, the guy who God made this covenant with. He's going to bless all of these nations. If anybody got it right, had it all together, it was him, right? Have you read Genesis? It's like the opposite of a Christmas card that you would send to your friends when you want to look good around Christmas time. It's jealousy, there's fighting, there's favoritism, there's brothers selling other brothers into slavery. I mean, we all long for healthy families, but the truth is, when we look around, you can't find it. Even David, even David, a man after God's own heart, his family that he's growing up in, he's the youngest and they they totally misjudge him. They put him in this box. Your family ever tried to put you in a box? Right? And God takes David and changes anyway. And you think, well, then he probably got his act together, right? No. Do you remember the story about Bathsheba? Right? There's no perfect family in the scripture. And again, I want to ask, what does that say about us? What does that say about what it means to be a healthy family? I would argue this morning that being a healthy family doesn't mean that it's perfect. And what does that say? It says the exact same thing that I learned in college. I mean, my parents spent thousands of dollars to send me to college And I studied family social work, all about relationships and what does it mean to be uh, this very topic. I mean, to be healthy family and to help people be healthy families. And if I had to boil down everything I learned to one sentence, are you ready for this? I mean, it's going to be profound. Are you ready for this? There's no such thing as a perfect family. My, My parents spent a lot of money. Don't tell them this, but they spent a lot of money for me just to learn that. So, all right? But it's true. There's no such thing as a normal family And when some of you hear that, you're relieved. You're like, whew, 
I'm glad I'm not the only one. Some of you, though, some of you are really frustrated because you've been working really hard, really hard to try and figure out how to keep it all together, how to be perfect. But the reality is it's the truth. It's the truth about you. It's the truth about me. It's the truth about all of us. And it's a truth that is so prevalent that Paul just came right out and said it. I mean, he gives us the reason why in Romans chapter 3. And I want to read this verse together as well because it's, it's important that all of us, as we walk through this series, not just today, but the rest of the series, that we acknowledge this fact that we need help and we need to grow healthy. Let's read this together. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, all. Turn the person next to you and say, dude, you got issues. You're not perfect. (laughs) All right, all right. Some of you have a little too much fun with that, right? But the thing is, there's no such thing as a family, right? Because families are filled with what? Families are filled with sinners. Families are filled with sinners. And the the sooner we realize this, I mean, the sooner we're going to get together. And you can see it in other people, right? I mean, not your own family, not the family that you're a part of, right? But other people, right? And there's this spectrum. I mean, over here, you've kind of got, and I'll just, I'll just go with you guys. You know, you all look kind of normal, right? Right? Normal? Right? You, you're on this side of the, <laughs> right? You're on this side of the spectrum. You've got the people that are normal. But then over here, over here, right? Over here, you have the, yeah, these guys over here. You've got the fun people, right? The people that put the fun in dysfunction, right? And we see this, we, we see this, this, this dynamic playing uh, itself all the time. But, but here's the thing, wherever you put yourself on this spectrum, wherever you think you are, here's the thing you have to remember. As a parent, as a husband, as a brother and sister in Christ, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong. And the thing is, We have to be able to realize this. Even in a spiritual community, you're going to drop the ball at some point and you are going to need Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. You're going to need Jesus. You don't believe me. If you've you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Romans chapter 7 because I want to look at this. I mean, Paul writes some interesting things in the book of Romans and and the thing, and, and I'm sorry on a day like Mother's Day to be bashing families and, and how unperfect we are but I think it's the truth that we've got to understand that sets us up for the glory of God's grace. So Paul is this guy that, that's got it all figured out, right? I mean, he's, he's the guy that is probably one of the most, I mean, he's the spiritual giant. He wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. If anybody's got this whole relationship with God and living that out thing figured out, it's got to be him. So Romans chapter 7, I'm going to start in verse 18. And, and then as I read this, I just want to say to you, How does this relate? I mean, does this sound familiar? So this is what he has to say. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That's a strong statement right there, especially for, you know, one of the spiritual gurus of his day, of of this millennia. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. He's talking about this struggle that all of us face. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong, and I love God's law with all my heart. 
But there's another power within me that wages war in my mind. And as I hear Paul saying this, he's getting more and more worked up. He's getting frustrated. I could just see him gripping his pencil tighter and tighter as he's writing this because he's frustrated. He describes it as there's this power that makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. And then he just drops this line that just releases all that he's feeling. He says, oh, what a miserable person that I am. He just, he just has this moment of confession, this moment where he just gets it out of him. And he says, oh, what a miserable person that I am. And I love the NIV translation. It's a little bit different. It says, oh, what a wretched person I am. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. A lot of times, but especially as a parent and and the incident that comes to mind, and this is a great case for why we need moms, I start telling you about my, my parenting, right? My fathering. A couple years ago, my wife and I decided that uh, we were going to go on a mission trip. Actually, it was going to lead it as part of my job. I used to do student ministry with high school kids from the suburbs. Let me tell you, that's always exciting. Uh, and we decided we were going to go on a mission trip down to New Mexico as, as part of this awesome ministry at Lutheran Church of Hope has. And, and we were really excited. And the thing that when I said yes, the trip that I, didn't occur to me was, uh, you know, we, we had an eight-month-old at home. Like, who's, who's going to watch her? You know, we need to find a babysitter, not just any babysitter, uh, somebody that's going to that's gonna take her for a while. We thought, all right, well, who can we ask? I mean, most of our friends would be crazy to take, you know, a kid for that long. We thought, we don't want to burden them. So we call up grandma and grandpa, and they say, yeah, we'd love to. And they did an awesome job in the week. It was a two-week-long trip. I mean, we had this, this great time. God did incredible things, and it was time for us to go and pick up. This is Gwyneth, my oldest. And as we're driving up the interstate, we're going to meet them. They live in Minnesota, and we're meeting them halfway, and we stop at this, this restaurant along the side of the freeway, and, and we're kind of sitting there, and we beat them there, and I'm just thinking, I am so excited to see my daughter. I mean, I am just elated. I mean, it's been two weeks. I haven't got to hold her. I haven't got to spend any time with her, and and she shows up, they pull in, we run out there and greet her, and, and she looks at me, and I give her this big smile, and she just looks at me like, who are you? <laughs> right? Two weeks is a long time for anybody, let alone an eight-month-old, to be apart from her parents. And so I'm like, okay, this is awful. Like, I've I got to figure this out. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm like trying to have fun, you know, trying to be the cool dad and have fun, do all these things with her. And I'm like, all right, it's not working. So, you know, we just need to spend time together. I'm cool. I can just walk with it, you know. I just sit her next to me, like we're eating this meal. <clears throat> she cried the entire time. Like, who is this guy that's sitting next to me? And so as we're going, I'm starting to get more and more frustrated. I'm like, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And, and the meal's wrapping up, and we're getting ready to go. And, and as I'm standing up from this table, I just... I just have this idea, I'm like, you know what? You know what I haven't tried yet, right? You've always got to have that ace, ace up your sleeve, that, that trick in your back pocket. I'm like, I haven't put her on my shoulders and danced around and, and sang her favorite songs. So as we're getting up the table in just this one seamless motion, I grab my daughter Gwyneth and I throw her up in the air and I hoist her on my shoulders and I stand up. And it's in that moment I hear the worst possible sound any parent would ever want to hear with a kid on their shoulders. Let me tell you what it was. It sounded like this. It sounded like clunk, 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 clunk. I am that guy. I am the guy that hasn't seen his daughter for two weeks, and when he sees her, what does he do? He puts her head in a ceiling fan. (laughs) Father of the year material. I know. I know. Is somebody clapping about that? Come on. 
Now, before you call the authorities, here's what I want you to know. It was an accident. As the song I taught my kids goes, accidents happen, that's what they say. All right? The fan was on low speed. Kids are amazingly resilient. I have lots of proof of that. But here's the other thing I want to tell you. I felt like the scum of the earth. Just horrible, right? Miserable would be a good word. I felt like a wretched parent. I felt like here was this person God had given me to to take care of, to love, to bless, to raise up. I mean, just to nurture. I stuck her head in a ceiling fan. (laughs) She doesn't remember it either, which is great, so... But my question for you this morning is, have you been there? Have you been there? And here's the bigger question this morning. Are you willing to admit it? Walking out the door, I was incredibly embarrassed because all these people in the restaurant saw it. And I was like, got to get out of here. Still on my shoulders. I just ducked the rest of the way out. And as I was walking out, I was feeling guilty. And I just said, God, God, what? Why did, you let me, why did you trust me with this, this little person, right? And I said, God, I don't have this figured out. I, I'm not perfect, as if that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so I had to admit that to myself. But I just said, God, what, what am I doing here? I do not have it all figured out. And, and it was in that moment, that moment, I felt this freedom lifted from me. This, this burden was taken away. This guilt was, lit and was, was lifted, and this grace just swept in, and it filled my heart this morning. And as I, as I admitted that, I felt this, this freedom. As I was willing to come clean with God about all that's been going on in terms of the mistakes that I've made and this pressure that I put on myself, I experienced this profound grace. And it was amazing. And the amazing thing about not just my story, but your story this morning, Paul's story as he's writing in Romans 7 is that just as I felt grace that day, there's grace for all of us as well, if we're willing to admit it, that we need it. And we struggle with this from time to time, don't we? Paul says, who's going to save me from this miserable person that I am? Who's going to redeem me? And his answer, verse 25, Romans 7, verse 25 Paul says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who's going to save you? The Sunday school answer works. Jesus. And you're going to need him. And here's the thing that I realized. If you want a healthy family, you've got to admit it. You've got to admit that you need Jesus. And it's when you come to terms with your brokenness and you realize that God needs to become like oxygen, not just something you do on Sunday morning, but something you live and breathe. The grace becomes this oxygen mask that you put on that you just need to make it through the day. As soon as we realize that, God becomes the center of our families. And it changes everything. How are you doing with that this morning? Are you able to admit that you need God's grace? I mean, when was the last time that you were completely honest with somebody 
maybe a brother in Christ, maybe it's your own family, about how things are going, not just in your family life, not just in relationships. I mean, there, there can be plenty there to talk about. But what about your relationship with God? When's the last time that you could just be completely honest? If we're going to be healthy, we have, to, we have to be open and honest about it. And that's the first thing that I want you to know about healthy families this morning is that healthy families take the time to soak up God's grace. They take the time to hear what God has to say to them, to admit that they don't have a perfect, and they take the time to soak up God's grace. It's easier said than done, though. But that's the journey that we have to take. So that's the first thing. We admit that we need God's grace. We admit that we're sinners and that we need God's grace. The second thing, the second thing is that we contend for each other. And I was going to say fight for each other, defend each other. But I thought, man, there's enough fighting that goes on already, right? I think contend is a nice word. And contend is a word that we don't necessarily use all the time. In fact, when some of you hear me say this word contend or contender, you probably think that you need to be a little more, a little more like this guy, Right? <laughs> But that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about contending. And what does that mean in our family? I mean, if, if we need this God, this, this grace, if we're not perfect, if people get wrapped up in all sorts of things, brokenness or whatever, then how do we go after those people? How do we fight for them? And I could tell you what contending is this morning, but, and, I'll, and I'll get to that. But first, I just want to draw your attention to an example in the Scriptures about what contending is not. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to page four. It's at the very beginning, Genesis chapter three, and I want to look at the story of Adam and Eve, and, and I want to look at this, not the contending that takes place, but I want to look at the fact that what doesn't happen in this passage, because I think sometimes in our family life, and again, whether it's your biological family, whether it's the family that you worship with, that you belong to, that's uh, on this journey to become more and more in love with Jesus Christ. As we go through that, we just, sometimes it's not what we say that gets us in trouble, but it's what we don't say. It's what we don't do. So I want to look at, at uh, Genesis chapter 3. So at the beginning of this, and you've got to understand, if, if you're not familiar with the story, I mean, when God created humanity and the earth and everything, I mean, when God first created man and woman, he gave them everything that they need, right? He's like a, he's like a great mom in that sense lavishes on everything that they need. And he lets them have the free run of the place except for this one plant that's in there, this one tree. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I just can't emphasize enough, as the story begins, as, as we look at this first chapter, it's awesome. I mean, it's heaven on earth. I mean, two weeks ago I was up here and I talked about heaven looking like bacon. It's even better than that, Right? It's amazing to have everything they need, but along comes this serpent. And he's got this idea that maybe there's more, and, and there's this battle that comes, there's this tension that enters into the story, and there's a need for somebody to fight. And unfortunately, in this first story, it just doesn't happen. So starting there at the beginning of, of, of chapter 3, the serpent comes, and he, and he says, and notice that he goes to, uh, it says he asks the woman, notice he goes to Eve. I wonder why that is. And he says, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from, the tree of the, from any of the trees of the garden? So he's kind of twisting God's word there, words there. He's deceiving. And, he says, and, and she replies, of course we can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it 
If you do, you will die. So she knows what's going on. She's got it up here in her head. But this serpent, he's really good. He's really good, and so he throws on another layer, and he says, you won't die. What does God know what he's talking about? He doesn't know what he's, what's going on. He says, you won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And here's the scary part, that very next verse. The woman was convinced. She was convinced. She allowed to listen to these lies, and she was convinced. And she saw that the tree was beautiful, its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. I mean, those are all great things. So she took some of the fruit, and she ate it, and then she gave some to her husband, who was with her. Oh, there's the husband. Hmm. I didn't know he was in the story. And he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame in their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And that, the whole reason right there is the reason why I had to talk about the whole first part of this sermon, just coming, overcoming that challenge of admitting our brokenness, because we've all got some fig leaves. We all like to cover our scars and our weaknesses, but unfortunately for, for Adam and for Eve, the story goes from, it goes from unfortunate to, it goes from bad to worse. And so God shows up and he's walking in the garden and he just says, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they say, here we are. Right? Eventually he finds them and, uh, and he says, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. This is Adam talking. And I was afraid because I was naked. And, and, uh, and he says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I have commanded you not to eat? I mean, I can just picture my son, Callan, you know, saying, oh, I didn't know what was going on, right? He's just, just saying, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I have commanded you not to eat? And moving on to verse 12, <coughs> this is the part where this story just goes from awful to embarrassing for us guys. Right? What does Adam do when he's asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Because notice God goes to, to Adam first. The man replied, Adam replied, well, it was the woman that you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And God goes to the woman, and he says, what have you done? And she starts talking about the serpent and the excuses and starts telling the story and, and God goes after the serpent and you, you understand where the story is going, but the damage has been done. Do you see any contending for each other going? I mean, what does that say at the very beginning? Our first parents, the example that's laid out for us, they're pointing fingers at each other. Right out of the gate, we have this need for contending. So what does contending look like? I mean, what does it look like to stand up and to defend people. I could read you 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about love being patient, love being kind, not self-seeking, right? You want to learn how to contend for somebody, to fight for somebody, to defend them, to, to help them blossom into the person that they're supposed to be. It looks like setting your own agenda aside and moving in. And Jesus sums it up this way. He says, there's no greater love than to lay down your friends for one's life. And there's no greater place right now, especially as we talk about families, where it's important to contend than in our marriages. We have to ask ourselves, are we willing to love our brothers and sisters in Christ or, or in our marriages or, or any relationship we have? Are we willing to love people not just in the way that's easy for us, but the way that they need to be loved? There are countless examples of Jesus coming, of God even, 
contending for, for God's people, but we just can't seem to get it right. It's a challenge. It's a battle because contending is hard work, right? I mean, there's a reason why as parents, uh, God had to put in the fourth commandment for the kids, right? Honor your father and mother because naturally kids don't want to do that themselves, right? But God knew it would be hard for parents too, so he had to put in the fifth commandment, which says, don't kill, right? <laughs> he knew that this was going to be a battle. He knew that contending was really hard work. And my other question for you this morning, we've talked about, are you ready to admit that you need God's grace? But the second part is, now that we've gotten past that, who are you contending for? Who are the people in your life that need to hear, and not just hear, but to experience the gospel? This is what healthy families do. Not only do they acknowledge the fact that they're broken and move on, but they fight for each other. So where does this journey begin? Where does this begin? And it's a simple, I know it's a simple concept, but I think if you want to be in a healthy family, it's really not that difficult. It's not that complex, but it's really challenging. Where does this journey begin? I think it starts here with us in preaching the gospel to each other. And I got to ask you, where have you received God's grace lately? And it's interesting, on a day like this, we talk a topic like this, on a day like this, on Mother's Day, and women of the congregation, I just, I just want to ask you, are you living in God's grace this morning? Do you have people that are loving you, that are sharing, and not just telling you the gospel, but demonstrating it to you, because you deserve it? I mean, if we're honest this morning, being a woman is really, really difficult. I mean, first of all, Right? You've got to wear a lot of different hats. You have to wear all these different roles. And the pressure that society puts on you to be perfect, right? and not just your bodies, but, but you've got to be really smart. You're supposed to be the really funny ones. You're supposed to have it all together. You're supposed to welcome people into your home and have everything picked up and have a casserole ready to go on just a moment's notice. And your kids, they're supposed to be perfect little angels, right? And some of you here this morning... Ladies, I'm talking to you, but I think this applies to all. I mean, some of us are just really tired this morning because it's been a long time since we've experienced God's grace. I mean, in a powerful way. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to hear this grace. If you hear nothing else from me this morning, I want you to hear this. Heavenly, healthy families hear their Heavenly Father's voice, and they live as though it's true. There's this video clip that's been circulating around the internet for a while, uh, the last couple months, and it's, it's by a soap company called Dove, and I'm sure many of you have seen this, but I'll tell you what, when I saw this commercial, immediately I thought of this day, and I thought of these people, this family, gathered together, and I just thought, man, what is God trying to say to all of us through this? I mean, sometimes we are so starved for God's grace that we just... We just we look for anything around us to fill it up, to be whole. And so as we take a look at this this morning, as we think about what did it mean to contend, I want to ask you two questions about this. One, what is God saying to you as you watch this video? The second one is, and this, this goes for all of us, not, not just the women here this morning, but, but men too. What is God saying to you this morning about through this video? And who do you have in your life that is willing to fight for you to this degree? Let's take a look. 
When was the last time that you felt that way in a relationship that you were involved in? And maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your church family. All of us come to this day and all of us come to this idea of a healthy family with, with different perspective, different experiences. But the reality is all of us have been affected in some way or another. And yes, it's important that we admit that we've got it wrong and that we need God's grace, but it's just as important, if not more important, that we receive God's grace for ourselves this morning. I mean, of all the lines that stick out in that, in that short clip to me, it's, it's the one of the woman that just says, my mom told me I have a huge chin, right? The mom probably just said that not even thinking about it, but how old is that woman? How many years later is it and she remembers that, right? That's where she goes when she understands how valuable she is, how, how God has created her, who she is. And, and as they say rightly, in all of that, it makes a difference. How we see ourselves, what we believe God's feelings to be about us, it makes a difference. And this morning, my prayer for you is that God shows up even as we close in this worship here this morning and God just says to you, you are more beautiful than you think. And I know for some of us guys, that's the last thing you want to hear, right? Women, you're like, come on, keep it coming. I, I, I need to hear more of that because that's where I'm at. That, that women, that's where you need people to contend for you. And do you have people that are doing, guys, you're rugged, you're handsome, right? You have what it takes I mean, as your pastor, I am so proud of the men of this community to watch the way that you do this. You contend for the other people in your life. But women, I want you to know, if nothing else this morning, I want you to know that you have a God that contends for you. And you have a church community, a church family around you that's working at getting better at that as well. So we want to stand with you this morning. We want you to know that you are more beautiful than you think. You're more beautiful than the way that God has made you. And as I've been thinking about this this week, I mean, this is the first time in history that I've been thinking about a sermon and a hymn came to mind, right? Anybody grow up with one of these in your church? I mean, yeah. Here's, here's what I love, though, about this church. Nobody comes and says, where are the hymnals? Give me a hymnal, right? And there's valuable stuff in here. I've been realizing that a lot more and more these past few years. I mean, for a while, I just it just bored me to death and I just I, I, I mistake the, the, the way that it was communicated for the message right what I love is when people come in here they say where's Jesus where's the Holy Spirit let me be a part of this but as I was looking at this I got up my eyes this week that these hymns aren't just songs they're sermons they're ways that God delivers the truth in this sermon or this hymn is called I love to tell the story and isn't that what it means to be the church for each other. Isn't that what it means to contend? It says, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story how pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story for those who know it best, some hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. No matter how many times we hear this story, it's never enough. In fact, soaking up God's grace is addictive. And it's a good addiction. We were created for it. So let's do that. Let's tell the story to one another. Let's celebrate the moms 
not just the biological, but the spiritual moms in our life, those who love with a mother's heart. Let's tell them the story. Let's tell them what we think of them today. And most importantly, let God speak to us. Let him remind us of the story and the power that it has in our lives. Amen? Amen. I mean, let's stand together and let's pray. Let's thank God for this story and the fact that he loves us. And this story changes everything. God, we say thank you to you this morning. God, I pray that you would silence our hearts. God, you would clear away all the lies that we believe. God, that you would kick Satan's tail out of this room. And God, you would fill it with truth and grace and beautiful, God, because you make beautiful things. And God, we rest in that this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.